Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to America's Home for Conservative, Not Bitter. Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, questions, opinions, feedback. You better throw in some adoration and praise. I normally say you can't, but I think that's really a prerequisite now that I stop and think about it. Again, email address, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Here we are almost to the unofficial start of summer, just a week or so away from that day. And as we, I was just talking to Oz about this, as we were coming on to the air here this morning, there's a chance, and I don't know the, the odds here, but there's a chance that the Supreme Court of the United States could release its ruling, could actually release the ruling sometime today, in the case that would directly impact the previous decision of the Roe versus Wade case back from 1973. Now, there's no guarantee. Who knows ultimately? By the way, this is um, the case name is Dobbs, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Healthcare. They release opinions on Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And if that happens today, that's just a few hours from now. Now, this could go on that, you know, I don't want to do this each and every week because who knows. Um, but it's we're getting into that time of year where that certainly can be the case. And there's, of course, news that's, I mean, the original story was, of course, that Somebody leaked this draft of the decision. And then, of course, that story turned into leftist activists um, doxing home addresses of Supreme Court justices so that people could go and protest. Well, that's what that's what they want you to think. It's not really protesting. It's trying to intimidate justices of the Supreme Court. We talked on this program about a case that happened a few years ago. Um, back in, gee, I say a few years ago, it was all the way back in 2010 when Chief Justice John Roberts actually changed his opinion. He started off by writing the majority opinion in the Obamacare case, the Affordable Care Act case. And in that case, if you read the opinion, you'll see that it seems a little odd, and that's because he started writing it it's believed, because he was actually going to make a ruling that would have struck down part of that law, but instead, in midstream, changed the opinion, and as the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, he has the prerogative to write the majority opinion, so originally it was going to be, so people believe, five to four, ruling uh, in favor of striking down parts of the Affordable Care Act, but since he moved his vote from um, 
you know, ruling in that way to upholding the law. He made it a five to four majority vote um, defending the Affordable Care Act. And so he just continued writing the opinion. And of course, there was confusion. I remember listening the morning that that was released. I remember listening. I won't say the name of of uh, the talk radio show host, but someone actually came out and erroneously said um, that the case uh, Obamacare had been overturned, which was not the case. I was listening, I think, maybe live at the moment when that happened. And this host, it's one of the reasons, by the way, that I think it's better to be not the first to report something. And I'm not even a journalist. I'm not a reporter, not a journalist, don't have... Any interest? I, I have interest in the news, but I don't have interest in that. That's a whole nother profession. That's a whole nother series of things that have to be, you know, done. Developing sources, uh, confirming with other sources. I mean, in a perfect world, I I know that the media doesn't do that really any longer anyway. If they can somehow make bad news for conservatives and Republicans and Christians. Um, they often will just run with whatever they think will stick at the moment. And I'm reminded, as I'm talking about Ro- the, the Roe v. Wade case here, I'm reminded of uh, the news here that came out here over the past few days that said that Hillary, the Hillary Clinton campaign knowingly, knowingly lied about, well, what I'm calling the real big lie. This actually, a, that's an actual lie, Right which is something that annoys the daylights out of me when people say the big lie, the big lie, is Trump talking about election fraud, which it's, folks, to make a claim and to point out problems in an election is not a lie. It may, it is certainly evidence. It is certainly evidence to support his claim that there were potentially problems in the twenty. 20 election a lie is that that's not a lie that is you have to allow for those things to be discussed especially i mean folks if we're to the point in this country and i think we are for a, a sizable chunk of the people if they're on the winning side side of the argument or winning side of the election if we're at the point in this nation where people do not care how people really and actually voted they don't care about what laws were broken they don't care about ballot harvesting. They don't care about courts extending deadlines without the permission of state legislatures as is required per the Constitution. I mean, all those things, if they don't care about that, as long as they win, we've reached a point um, that's, that's going to be difficult to come back from. Now, I don't want, I don't want the left to win an election. You know that. I come out here and talk about that each and every day. But if we stole an election, if Republicans and conservatives stole an election, I would not be down with I Look, I know some some of you may be saying I don't care either, but I think folks we have to we have to get out of that way of thinking. In fact, I've gotten questions before. You know, if the left's going to do it, why can't we? And I think, "Oh gee, like this is I mean, we're totally dismantling everything that we have, and we're it's there's no possible good ending from that point. What we have to do is persuade people 
we have to expose the nonsense. We have to speak the truth. We have to, again, persuade and convince and all that sort of stuff and not be afraid of stepping into the, the argument. We have to be engaged. We have to come to the realization that most people, as I've said on here before, I, I don't necessarily mean these numbers to be completely literal because they're just kind of a, an estimate, I guess. But I think that 70% of the people would agree with 70% of the things that we say on this program, maybe even slightly, slightly more. And that's encouraging, encouraging to me. But a lie isn't saying, hey, this election had problems. Hey, why are we, why shouldn't we challenge electors? That's not a lie. That's not a conspiracy. Those are legitimate uh, conversations that can be had. And I say this fully knowing that this could happen again in the future where the, the Democrats may be arguing such things. I mean, it's, it's theoretically possible. Um, I'm, I'm not saying it would be, uh, there would be the same amount of evidence, but I'm saying anytime elections are lost, people people say stuff like this. Remember, there were uh, you know discussions of this when Trump won in 2020. Electors, fa- what do they call them? Faithless electors, and so forth. It's not unheard of where people don't do what they're supposed to do per their laws of their state, and so forth, uh, so forth. Anyway, but a lie is when you do what Hillary and the Clinton campaign team did, which was make up something completely phony, erroneous, just completely fictional, and then sell it as something that's actually true. That's we, We've known this to be the case to a certain degree, and as we watch the Sussman trial and you know all this stuff unfolding, we see this more and more by the moment. So... That is, well, that's happening, of course, out there as well. We're going to find out more about that. But this Supreme Court decision, which is where we started today, I want to go back to this. The Supreme Court decision could be could be announced today. Um, it, it could be that it's not announced for a few more weeks or even a month or longer. I, I think... I see, for some reason, I feel that most of the cases, and I may be wrong on this, are announced or the decisions are announced later in June into early July. But it's theoretically possible for this to be announced today. So why am I talking about this? Well, because, because headline here in Fox News, um, it says Supreme Court could rule on Roe v. Wade on Monday, that's today, as Biden administration braces for violence after decision. The Biden administration is preparing for nationwide violence after the Supreme Court issues a decision on Roe versus Wade. And you've seen you've seen these people at the rallies and again, absolutely within their constitutional right to argue, to protest. It's not their right to try to use that um outside personal property to intimidate judges, but they absolutely, people can protest and make themselves heard in the public square, regardless of what their political opinions are. I don't, I've said on here many times before, and I know the vast majority of you feel the same way. We don't want to silence those who have opposing viewpoints. I, I don't want that. I want there to be a robust discussion and, and debate. 
I do. And the only way you, you can really have that is if both sides feel free to use the language necessary to communicate their ideas, to articulate what they think are the dangers and threats and consequences of legislation and so forth. Absolutely necessary. And sometimes that gets a little bit heated. Heated conversations is not a violation of the First Amendment. Now, whenever we get to the point where actual threats are made and where violence begins to erupt, you've heard me on this program numerous times, do our do a little breakdown of our uh, when a protest becomes a riot. I kind of enjoy doing that, really. You know, when, when you uh, when you go from chanting slogans to seeing rocks flying through the air, my friends, you've ceased attending a protest and you now are attending a riot. When you see cop cars being danced upon, windshields smashed, kicked in, windows busted, cars turned over, you've ceased attending a peaceful protest and you're now at a violent riot. When you see fires erupt in the streets, when you see... um you know, open flames just burning randomly, especially if they're burning buildings and private property and so forth. You've ceased attending a peaceful protest and you've now found yourself smack dab in the middle of a riot, right? I mean, on and on. When, when, when people break into buildings and businesses, when you hear gunshots, when you see looting, when... You see businesses have to, in the aftermath, put up plywood as they did in, say, downtown Indianapolis and other cities around this country in the wake of uh, George Floyd riots. You've attended, or that no longer was a peaceful protest, but it's a, it's a riot. And so the point is, is that that is what they're expecting. And look who they're expecting it. From. Now, this is not meant to be a universal, I don't know, a universal excuse for any conservative. But as a general rule, most conservative people are people that uh, they live quiet lives. I know that there's some, some you know, Trump supporters that are, you know, can be very vocal, perhaps even in your face. I get that. Um, but I'm reminded of groups like the Tea Party back in the day, back 10 years ago. These are groups that largely protested. I mean, after they left, you didn't even know they were there. There wasn't any, uh, there, there wasn't trash. There wasn't a mess left behind. They did their protesting and they moved on with life. Now, there's certainly people, individual people who have, political beliefs different than me that behave the same way, but there's also radical groups. Radical groups that, like Antifa, which, unlike Joe Biden, I recognize Antifa is not just an idea or a concept. It's actually a group of people. A group of people that, funny enough, are the ones who actually behave like fascists, even though they call themselves the anti-fascists, which, again, is where the, uh, the term Antifa supposedly comes from. Um, again, the radical left often accuses us of being the very thing or doing the very thing that they themselves are often engaged in. So the Supreme Court may issue this ruling. The Biden administration is concerned enough about what may happen in the aftermath of this 
um, that they are going to, that they're on alert. In fact, a memo dated May 13th from the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, reveals, I'm reading from this article here, that the Biden administration is investigating threats to the Supreme Court, the building itself, and to justices, individual justices on that court, of course, the conservatives, in the weeks since the leak. We know that. The memo reported by first by Axios details ongoing investigations into threats to, quote, burn down or storm the Supreme Court building. Now, take a break in a moment, but folks... I know January 6th, there's a lot of things, and there may be a lot of things with whatever happens in the aftermath of this decision actually being announced by the Supreme Court as well. Um, as I, I've, I've been remarkably consistent, as I think most conservatives have been, on January 6th, there is a wide variety of people. Some people went there to protest. Some people were let in uh, to the Capitol Hill grounds and even into the building uh, by law enforcement officers. We've seen this on film. There's there's video of this. There were also people that did things that they should not have done. There were some people who engaged in violence and did things that should not happen. If someone violated the law, they should be charged with the appropriate crime. If that's in fact, um, you know, whether it's a if it's a misdemeanor or if it's a a potential felony, whatever the case may be, no matter whether or not they agree with me or not, politically, if they wanted one candidate over the other, completely irrelevant. What matters is the rule of law. Now, I'll also say, and I'll say this in advance of the Supreme Court protesters, well, potential rioters too, um, if someone is charged with a heinous crime in the wake of, well, whether it be January 6th or in the wake of this Supreme Court decision, due process should be extended to whoever's charged. They shouldn't be locked away. They shouldn't be placed in indefensible conditions. They shouldn't be denied things that some folks are claiming to have been denied of. I mean, it's definitely it's problematic when this when this happens in a in a country that's supposed to be following the rule of law. So God forbid this does happen, but if it does, if this does happen, I will, the folks that break the law and still need to have due process, but there needs to be consequences. And perhaps most important of all that, and again, I hope none of this happens, but if the Biden administration is talking about this, and of course, if we know, we know the guy, I'm not talking about someone who's just pro-choice, which I'm not defending, but someone who's just pro-choice. I'm talking about someone who's pro-abortion and when you go to their rallies, it sounds like when you see these men on the street interviews, it sounds literally like people are talking to demons, some of these evil things they're saying. I, I don't know what these folks are going to do. shouldn't matter as far as what the decision that's handed down should be. And it doesn't appear that the Supreme Court is going to be intimidated, which, again, kudos to them for that. Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito in particular. But be that as it may... Um, this, again, we are in the most uh, politically intense time in our nation, well, in my lifetime, right? I mean, some, you go back in history a little ways, and there's other very, very difficult times. I think back to the 60s or, you know, but we're, we're at this very, very, we're at this boiling point. So it would not be surprising at all 
if something happened. And it will also, also not be surprising if the media defended these folks um, when we compare and contrast to how they talk about the January 6th crowd. And that's that's unfortunate because what I said about the January 6th crowd should also equally apply to the folks that may be, hopefully not, but may be planning to do something atrocious, which may, again, include, I mean, threats of burning down or storming the Supreme Court. So, quick time out, long in this segment as usual, just getting back from a busy weekend. So type my friends back in just a minute. So, as I'm thinking about it, I've got a whole list of stuff in our stack of stuff. Hat tip to the great Rush Limbaugh. But I got a whole bunch of stuff that I want to get to. And one of the things is something that I've I've held on for a while. I, I know undoubtedly uh, many of you have, have heard about this. You've undoubtedly read about this, have questions about this. And I'm, uh, you know... I try – how do I say this? I, I try not to – I don't want to get into a monologue on something unless I'm really confident on what I think about it. Now, I have definite thoughts, and I feel very strongly about the thoughts um, about this next issue, which kind of I guess has is kind of a two-pronged issue. Um, so I don't want you to think I don't know what I think about it. I do know what I think about it. I just don't really know. It, I don't know. I don't know enough about. It's the World Economic Forum. Their annual meeting is this week, uh, in Davos, and this. Uh, what is this other event called? The World Health Assembly. This World Health Assembly, and I got to be careful here because um and i think this is by design too they don't necessarily want us to understand what's going on here but let me be the first to tell you the i have no doubt in my mind the world economic forum is run by a lot of really bad people who have really bad intentions world economic forum you can look on the look this stuff up but on their agenda this week, which I think this thing technically kicked off yesterday, these are, of course, globalists who don't like freedom, globalists who don't like, well, they like the money that they can get, but they don't like you having free markets and capitalism to where you can improve your own circumstances and, you know, life and all this sort of stuff. They think that they should be in the ruling class. These are these are people, I'm telling you, that are as bad as 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 bad as they get. These are people who really think they are that that you and I and that the rest of the world is beneath them. It is the height they are the height of human arrogance. I mean the conceit, the condescension the disdain they have for the American or for, for any person around the world, it is, it's not very high. And of course they go into these meetings under the guise of trying to help. Oh, we're just trying to help, right? Trying to help uh, the rest of the world. These are the people who talk about 
Things like COVID being a great opportunity. Great opportunity for, of course, this term, the Great Reset. And what is the Great Reset? It's a, it's an opportunity for the globalist elite to try to change, fundamentally change life on planet Earth, not just in a particular country, but worldwide. These are bad, bad people. They're going to be talking about things like COVID. They're going to be talking about things like climate change. Inevitably, we got this latest thing, monkeypox, which I don't want to get get into that as well, but I did see there's already a country. Uh, where was that? I, I want to say, did you see Oz, a country in Europe that's already? So don't give me that, that look. The country in Europe that um, is already calling for quarantines if you've been. Did you see that? I can't remember which country it was. There's a country, one, at least one country. In Europe, that's already beginning the quarantine process. I think it's 21 days. 21-day quarantine, I read. I'm drawing a blank on the country. Is it Belgium? I want to say Belgium. She's looking. Anyway, so monkeypox, we got just globalism in general. And, of course, it is Belgium. So by the, you know, this time tomorrow, it might be eight other countries. Or by the conclusion of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting this week, who knows, right? So there's the monkeypox thing. Biden's out there talking about how everyone should be concerned about this. Uh, I, again, I don't want to get into this, but I think, I think two things we have to be aware of. Number one, I got to take a quick break here, but number one, we have to understand. I, th- I think now people's eyes have been opened. People's eyes have been op- have been opened, or they should have been, as to how governments behave when there is some health pandemic, health crisis, whatever we want to term or deem the term to be for uh, COVID, they, there's nothing that they won't do. And, and sometimes, sometimes, especially at the beginning, I think people understood that folks maybe were, some folks were trying to do things that they thought were in the best interest of, of people. But once we got into this, it is obvious, my friends, it is so obvious that the people that stuck to their guns on this, especially when you see the data that says uh, states in the United States, for example, that had extreme lockdown measures and insanity that ensued, places like California and New York, had no statistical improvement over, say, a state like Florida, which DeSantis kept relatively free and open during the pandemic. Um. And, in fact, technically, uh, Florida outperformed New York and, and California in, in key indicators in regards to COVID. So the first thing is we, we have to know these folks, they will stop at nothing, um, and they will take extreme measures. The other thing, which is kind of, I guess, related to the first, which is they also – they also have some really bad ulterior motives, especially when you look again at the plan of the W of the World Economic Forum to have this great reset. And I, folks, I don't, I don't trust these folks. I don't trust these folks at all. And then we've got this World Health Assembly, which you know they're basically the Biden administration. Um, appears to be taking steps. This is where I want to be careful. Um, but appears to be taking steps to 
empower the World Health Organization on managing our pandemic response, both ours and other countries around the world, giving nation states very little opportunity to um, actually make their own decisions. They don't have long to respond if the World Health Organization deems something a pandemic or whatever, a public health crisis emergency, suddenly we all have to follow along and uh, do what the World Health Organization said, which, by the way, I would contend isn't that precisely what we did. How many times during this pandemic did we really, as a nation, as a whole, deviate from what they told us to do? Right Now, you might say, well, Florida didn't follow it to the nth degree, but a lot of states did, and when you compare the states, there's no discernible difference. In fact, Florida finishes ahead of some of the most totalitarian states. So why would we believe that these jokers have any clue whatsoever, especially when we know some of these folks, like the folks that run the World Economic Forum, are just bad, bad people. Bad people. They do not have your interests at heart. They are some and some of these examples, some really wicked and terrible human beings. I just I don't know how else to say it. So I've got to take a timeout. I just I don't know how much of this I want to get into, but it's coming up this week. I've held off until this week to bring it up. Here we are. Quick timeout. Be back in a minute. Come back, my friend. So I look. This, uh, these, these meetings, these, uh, the World Economic Forum's annual meeting and this World Health Assembly meeting as well, um, these things are, have a lot of, they're consequential. Um, and of course, some people have depicted this as the United States giving away their, um, sovereignty. Others, of course, uh, folks, I, I look at the <clears throat> the so-called fact checkers, and of course they'll say, "No, Biden's not. Biden's not going to be doing this." What are we, what are we talking about? And I, I literally read this weekend as well. Um, well, there's a soundbite from CNN, or I think it was CNN, yeah, CNN, where, um one of the guests said something to the effect of white Americans have to come uh, to terms with their racism, which of course is not surprising. But I I was just thinking about this because one of the reporters, I think it was Dana Bash, said something like, Joe Biden, um, his whole reason for running in 2020 was because he was upset about uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and he, you know, this this is kind of his his issue. He just the the white supremacy thing, which of course they've tied to Buffalo. Which I, look, I, but it's not that they tied to Buffalo. There's certainly going to be instances of people um, who do things for any number of stupid reasons. Forget. There's no reason to commit the crime um, that this person um, committed. But then they tell us that Biden, you know, Biden, you know, this was an issue that I think they, the, the, the term was that you could fill it in Biden's soul how much, how much he was just, you know, running to stop white supremacy. And then, and then I'm thinking, well, 
I recall Biden giving a eulogy at Robert Byrd's, literally a leader of the local KKK. Not making that up. That's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. Literally, Robert Byrd, who was a senator from the state of West Virginia for a lot of years, one of Biden's friends in the Democrat Party, he held a position, Robert Byrd did, called Exalted Cyclops, local KKK leader. And if you read fact checkers on those, on things like that, it'll say... Um, If someone says, for example, Biden had his picture taken with the Grand Dragon of the KKK, they'll come out and say it's it's, uh, partially false. You say, okay, why is it partial? Biden gave a eulogy, I should say, for the Grand Dragon of the KKK. Well, partially false. Why is it partially false? Well, he wasn't a Grand Dragon. He was the exalted Cyclops, (laughs) who reports indirectly, I think he's, the, I, I looked into this. The Exalted Cyclops is, I think, two levels below the Grand Dragon. So it was partly partially false because of that. When, of course, the, the bottom line is Biden literally gave a eulogy of a white supremacist KKK leader named Robert Byrd. He gave the eulogy. His title wasn't Grand Dragon, but he was in the leadership circle. He was a exalted cyclops whatever the stupid crap means don't care it's reprehensible and wicked and evil but my point is the same folks the same jokers that mislead people as to how close to exactly true statements like that are that biden gave a eulogy for a former leader of the kkk and they come out and say "Mm, it's not completely true because you get the title wrong i mean if they're gonna start fact checking like this they're gonna have to put a disclaimer next to every one of Biden's speeches because Biden's been calling Kamala Harris president (laughs) for for a long time. He sometimes refers to himself as senator. He doesn't know what's going on. Refers to uh, someone else's first lady. I mean, there's all kinds of examples. If they're going to go to this level to say something is partially false, then they they should flag every one of his speeches. Every single one, because every single one says something stupid like that. So my point is, when they say that this really isn't the U.S. Um, giving up sovereignty to the World Health Organization, I say, well, um, based upon what I know from these people, based upon I, what I know um, and believe their worldviews to be, I'm very uh, skeptical of that. And plus, I've read some of this stuff, and the amendments that the Biden administration introduced basically appear to say the World Health Organization just has authority. Now, the other part of me says, but that's clearly, I mean, the the Constitution doesn't allow for this stuff. But of course, in reality, if you have leaders that don't care and they're not going to defend the Constitution, which ironically is what they make a oath to do specifically, um, it doesn't matter what the Constitution, it matters, don't misunderstand me, but it doesn't matter in a practical sense if you've got people in positions of power who either will not defend it or who um, simply have no interest, they, they hate it in the case of many of these radical leftists. Actually, I would say all of the radical leftists. So we'll see how this plays out. Always threats to our liberty, freedom, choices, sovereignty. I mean, they're all over the place, especially when the radical left's in charge. The good news is, is that people know that this is a mess 
and a lot are pointing fingers of blame squarely at the administration, at the radical left, at the Democrat Party. And by the way, that is the correct place to point. Quick time out, my friends. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So let's look here. I referenced um, just how, again, we talk about this on an ongoing basis, just how bad it is for Democrats. But it gets worse. It almost gets worse by a, I mean, hourly basis almost. It's it's unbelievably terrible. The headline of this uh, Breitbart article says, Poll shows Biden losing Democrats on the economy. That's right. The latest polling from the far-left Associated Press, the AP, shows Joe Biden losing support from Democrats due to his mishandling of the economy. Now, keep in mind, comparing and uh, contrasting this poll with polls that I referenced last week, this poll is for um, popular consumption, consumer consumer consumption. These are the types of polls that they use to try to create narratives and news, and it's it's so bad that they can't even make anything out of this. A month ago, the AP said... 47% of Democrats describe the economy as good, which, of course, which rock do you have to be living under to think this? In May, that slid to 35%. On top of that, on top of that, the percentage of Democrats who say Biden's policies have done more to help um, tumbled from 45% to 37%. So basically, we're now in the world where only one in three Democrats... One in three Democrats believe that the economy is good, which of course it isn't. I mean, we're to the point where I don't know how many more people are even going to... These are people that are just ideologically committed. They don't care about truth or reality, or they are very, very, very malinformed. The other uh, part here, again, one in three, just a little bit north of one in three, believe that Biden's policies have helped. So they don't think the economy is good. And they don't think his policies have helped. Only one in three Democrats, roughly, a little bit, a little bit north of that, but not much, believe that to be the case. What an unmitigated disaster. It is unavoidable, the damage these folks have collectively done to our nation, to our economy. Quick time out, my friends, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. I had mentioned monkeypox earlier in the program. Just wanted to share with you that... Dr. Robert Malone, who many of you will recognize his name as one of the folks that um, has tried to speak some COVID sense into the narrative. And, of course, he's met with obstacles um, on a regular basis. He basically is out there saying that from what we know, this is something that falls pretty firmly into the category of something that the media wants to hype that really is blown out of proportion um, it's hard to transmit. In fact, it's he believes at this point sexually transmitted and can't get into it, but nothing to get too worked up about. I've got to go. See you tomorrow. SCG, take care. <laughs>